Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Last weekend, we began a series on the Holy Spirit called Filled and Empowered. Filled and Empowered. Would you say those words, church? Good, good. Filled and Empowered. And best place to learn about who the Holy Spirit is and what he wants to do in and through our lives is the Word of God because he's the author of the Word. Guy came up to me last night, his first time here at our church and was talking to him and I asked him if he had any questions. He said no. And I said, did my message make any sense to you? And he said, no, not really. <laughs> well, friends, if you want to learn about who the Holy Spirit is, read the Bible. So I gave a challenge last week. And, and maybe if you're uh, just coming today, you can jump in and join us in this challenge to read the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts and also John chapters 14, 15, and 16. So I wanna encourage you to do that at your own pace over the next couple of weeks so you can learn about the Holy Spirit. But we talked last weekend about how the Holy Spirit is fresh wind from heaven. Fresh wind from heaven. If you missed it, you can watch it online. But we're gonna build on that today. My message today is called Fresh Fire from Heaven. Fresh Fire from Heaven. In fact, would you stand to your feet for a moment and just put your stuff down? I wanna pray. See my friend Luke right there. Praying for you, Luke. We love you and your family. Luke's wife, Lorna, graduated to heaven just a few days ago, quite unexpectedly. I want to pray for you right now. In fact, stretch your hands out towards Luke. I'm sorry, I don't want to embarrass you, friend, but Father, I just pray for my brother Luke, great man of God. Lord, we, we don't understand these things. We just pray your comfort, your peace, your power, your strength over him, his family. Pray for his sons, his three sons. I pray that each one of them come back to you, God. And uh, Lord, be with Carl and the whole family in Jesus' name. Be closer, Holy Spirit, than you ever have in Luke's life. Give him strength every day. God, just put your hand on your own heart right now. Lord, we just open up our hearts to you. We need you. Lord, we need you. Whatever's going on in our own lives, Lord, speak to us today. Encourage us. Challenge us. Touch us today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. You can be seated. When Jesus was 30 years old, the Gospels tell us he began his public ministry. Up until that time, he was a carpenter. We don't know much about his life uh, from the time he was born to the time he was about 30. Uh, Gospel of Luke does talk a little bit about that, Luke chapter 2. But when he's 30 years old, it was the appointed time. God says, now's the time for you to do what, I, what I've sent you to earth to do. And so he goes to his cousin, John the Baptist, and he is baptized in water. In Matthew chapter 3, you can read it on your own. Other gospels recorded as well. Jesus is baptized in water. It says that there was three things that happened at his baptism. It says the heavens were open to him. Supernatural dimension is what it's talking about. It says he heard the voice of the Father, God the Father, saying, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And the third thing it says is that the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove. And the next three and a half years of Jesus' life are the most powerful, dynamic, impacting uh, in all of human history. In fact, I would, I would argue quite easily, I think, that you could combine every person who's ever walked on this planet and all of our lives combined come nowhere close to the impact that Jesus had in three and a half years. He preaches about the gospel of the kingdom of God and opens that up to all of us. He teaches and demonstrates how to love God and love people. He heals the sick. He raises the dead. He delivers people from demonic bondage. He performs signs, wonders, and miracles. He provides salvation. Hello, somebody. He provides salvation for all of humanity through his crucifixion and his death. And then he defeats death itself. 
through his own resurrection. But friends, here's the key. He does all of this, all of it, through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a really important biblical theological truth for you to understand and grasp because I think it makes the reality of the Holy Spirit come so much more alive in our own lives. God became man in Jesus Christ. Fully God, fully man. The Son of Man, the Son of God. 100% human, 100% divine. And yet scripture teaches us in Philippians chapter two, and this is a mystery in and of itself in, in terms of we can't fully grasp this, but Jesus emptied himself of his voluntary prerogatives and rights and divine privileges as God and chose to live as a man, to confine himself, to become the, the creator becoming one of his own creation, the incarnation, amazing. The Bible says in Hebrews, he was tempted in every way, just like you and I are, yet he was without sin because he perfectly obeyed God the Father. And this is why he is the savior of our sins. But the power source for his ministry was the Holy Spirit. And so even though we can never be like Jesus in his perfection and sinlessness, the Bible says that we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Jesus told us and taught us that we can be like him through the power of his Holy Spirit in that sense. Jesus says this in John chapter 16. However, I am telling you nothing but the truth when I say it is profitable, good, expedient, advantageous for you that I go away. Because if I do not go away, the comforter, counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, standby, that's, that's who the Holy Spirit is. He's all those things. Will not come to you into close fellowship with you but if I go away, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. That's an incredible statement. Imagine if you were one of the 12 disciples, one of Jesus' closest friends at this very last meal he's having with them. He says, guys, it's a good thing. It's a good thing that I am gonna be crucified and resurrected and go back to heaven because when I do, I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus makes another incredible statement in John chapter 14, verse 12, just a little bit earlier, but in the same, at the same meal. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works, wow, greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Jesus makes both of these statements within those chapters that I encourage you to read within the context of talking about the Holy Spirit. This idea of doing greater works than him, I think the primary thing that Jesus was referring to is this. He was talking about, he's saying, he's saying friends, the Holy Spirit who empowers me and has been with me, I, I'm one person. I can be in one place at one time. But now that I'm going to heaven, I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit. So you and you and you and you and you and you and you can multiply the power and the miracles that were flowing in and through me. All around the world, this is what, that is what Jesus is saying. The Holy Spirit, friends, is God. He is God with you, 
working in you to do supernatural things. That means things beyond your ability. It means things that only God can do through you to change the world around you. John the Baptist in Matthew chapter three, verse 11, John the Baptist, I just mentioned him, he prophesies about Jesus. He says this, I, John the Baptist, referring to himself, I, John the Baptist, indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he, referring to Jesus, who is coming after me, is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you, say baptize. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and what? Fire. Come on, say it again, and what? Fire. And fire. Jesus said in Luke 12, verse 49, I came to send fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. He said this well before his crucifixion. Just as Jesus was filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit, he wants to fill and baptize us with the Holy Spirit. Give us fresh fire from heaven. And we see this promise that he makes. The, the, the promise is the Holy Spirit himself that is fulfilled by Jesus after his crucifixion and after his resurrection. He appears to his disciples for a period of almost 50 days, not quite 50 days, but almost 50 days, and he encourages them and he, and he teaches them. You can read about that in the Gospels. And, and In fact, turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1 because this is where we're picking it up. If you don't own a Bible, we'll give you one afterwards. You can follow along on the screen as well. Acts chapter 1, verse 4, and being assembled together with them, talking about his disciples, his followers, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise, capital P, referring to the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse eight, but you shall receive power. Say power. power. Say it again, say power. power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And then after Jesus says these words, he ascends to heaven. The word baptize means to dip or to immerse, or to saturate. And just as maybe many of us in here are watching online, you've been baptized in water or with water by another person, another Christian, or maybe Pastor Junior or Cindy or somebody has baptized you with or in water. Jesus wants to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In fact, I, I, can, I have, can I have my jar? My mom, Pastor Sherry, is sitting on the front. She is the master of illustrations. Also the master of illusions as well. <laughs> the master of illustrations. And uh, friends, here's, here's my illustration. A jar of pickles. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's as good as, you get what you pay for, right? That's as good as I could do. <laughs> a jar of pickles. Where, where do pickles come from? This isn't a trick question, by the way. Okay, I was hoping somebody would say pickle tree and then I could make fun of you, but that's not true. No, they come, from, they come from cucumbers, that's right. You take cucumbers and then you immerse them or you saturate them or you baptize them, come on, in vinegar. And if they stay immersed or saturated or baptized long enough, then there's a chemical reaction that takes place. 
And no longer is it a cucumber, friends. It is a delicious pickle that you get on your sandwiches at Chick-fil-A, except for on Sundays, because they're closed on Sundays. You're my Chick-fil-A. You're my number one with the lemonade. Come on, Kanye West. Why do you always want Chick-fil-A on Sundays, by the way? Why is that? It's the devil tempting you. You need to go to Raising Cane's instead. Okay, here's my jar of pickles. There you go. Friends, when you're saturated, when you're immersed, when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, a spiritual reaction takes place in your heart and your soul, and your very nature is changed. And you become powerful and effective for the kingdom of God and become dangerous to, to the devil. Ooh, that's good preaching. There's a difference between the presence of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. My dad wrote in Rebuilding the Walls, when he talks about the Holy Spirit, he says, every Christian has the Holy Spirit, but does the Holy Spirit have you? Let me just explain that a little bit more. The moment that you make a decision, anybody in the world makes a decision to surrender their lives to Jesus and say, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. Come into my life, forgive me my sin. That's called salvation. So many things happen at that moment, unbelievable things. You become a new creation, a new person. Jesus says you're born again. The old is gone, the new has come. Most wonderful thing that could ever happen to you. Some, some of you are gonna experience that in just a few minutes at the end. But one of the things that happens, friends, that scripture teaches us is that the Holy Spirit comes and he dwells within you. He lives within you. Beautiful thing, the presence of the Holy Spirit. But so every Christian has the presence of the Holy Spirit, but not every Christian has the firepower of the Holy Spirit because there's, a, there's a, another encounter. There's another experience that Jesus wants to give to you. And just like you come to Jesus to save you from your sins, you come to Jesus as the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. You can be saved by Jesus, but, but not baptized with the Holy Spirit. Book of Acts, by the way, uses a lot of different terms to describe this experience. If you're reading Acts, as you're reading through it, you'll, you'll see it. They're all synonymous, being filled with the Holy Spirit or being baptized with the Holy Spirit or clothed with power or the Holy Spirit fell upon them. By the way, the book of Acts is the story of the disciples receiving what Jesus received so that they could do what Jesus did. And friends, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, Hebrews 13, 8. And so we need to receive what Jesus received in order to do what Jesus did as well. I, I grew up in a great church in an amazing family. You know, I'm so blessed. I have just a very incredible, rich, spiritual legacy for my grandparents, even great-grandparents, and certainly my own parents. I'm so thankful for that. And so as a young kid, you know, I, I gave my life to the Lord and, and I always had a heart for God. And I was always a pretty good kid and never, you know, rebelled like some other pastor's kids. And, you know, like my brother Josh and my sister Shannon, they were, they were rascals, man. They were heathens. Josh was in and out of prison multiple times for stuff I'm not even going to tell you about. You can talk to him about that afterwards. <laughs> uh. Ask Lorraine, she knows. She grew up with me. Oh, wow. That was object. Now I, now I got your keys. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. So I got to focus here. 
But when I, when I was about 16 years old, there was just this hunger and desperation inside of me for more of the Lord. And I, I knew there was more to the Lord than I was experiencing in my life. And just uh, without going into all the details, but um, this, this one particular night with a couple of my friends, I, I was sharing with these guys in a small group setting and just started crying, which isn't surprising to anybody probably, but started crying, talking about, you know, how hungry I was to know the Lord. And he laid hands on me and prayed for me. Power of God fell on me. Received the baptism, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Felt like electricity surging through my body, especially my hands. And just overwhelmed, wow, overwhelmed with the love of God and, and the spiritual language started coming out of, coming out of my mouth and incredible and awesome experience. But what I think is more important, more profound than even the kind of the, the feeling that I had on that night was the ch immediate change that happened in me, the spiritual reaction, friends, if you will. I had more joy than I'd ever experienced before in my life. I had, I, had a, I had a love for people, a supernatural love for people that I'd never had before. I didn't even love people up till that point. No, I'm just kidding. No, but I, had, I just had this greater love for people. And especially, I could remember walking around, driving around for months. This lasted for a long time. And just seeing people and wondering, do they know Jesus? I had a, you can ask, honestly, this is not a joke. You can ask Lorraine or, or Josh I was, and my mom. I was pretty quiet, quiet and shy growing up for the most part. I had a boldness to tell people about Jesus that did not come from me, friends. In fact, I can remember being at a youth camp that year and some stuff happened, and so I had an opportunity to, to talk for a few minutes and share. I never would have done that before. In fact, a couple months, by the way, I also had a, a deep hunger for God's word that I'd never had. There was a fire in my soul, in my heart, that was from the Lord. A couple months after that happened, I was invited to go to a mission trip to India during my senior year of high school, right at the beginning of my baseball season. And I love baseball. I love baseball. And I felt God calling me, so I went. And I was gone for, for about two weeks. And on the trip, I was one of the youngest guys there, along with all these other pastors from all over the country. But I had the opportunity every night after these crusades, they would preach a gospel, thousands of people would get saved. But they had set up this prayer tent, and I would pray for people, and power of God would touch people most amazing thing I'd ever experienced up to that point in my life. And the last night of the crusade, the, the pastor who was in charge of the youth ministry side of it, he said, hey, he told me and the other two guys that were my age from Texas, he said, you guys have one minute to just say hi and introduce yourself because we hadn't said anything up to that point. Well, I, I don't know why. I didn't mean this in a, in a dishonoring, disrespectful kind of way, but I felt like God gave me a message on the love of God. And so I, I preached for 10 minutes on this stage. In fact, I think they got a picture of me. That's, I'm 17 years old. I don't know what the heck I'm wearing there, but I look good. <laughs> Preaching with, through two translators about the love of God. I don't know if it was any good or not, but that's what I did. And then a few days later, I preached my first sermon in a little, little tiny Indian church, about 30 people on faith. I didn't even know what I was talking about but I was just fired up. I had received fresh fire from heaven and I've never ever been the same. And uh, friends, if you think there's gotta be more to God than this, there is, there always is. Let's go back to the book of Acts. Jesus ascends to heaven. 120 of the disciples were gathered together. They were waiting 
for what Jesus had promised him, praying, seeking God, waiting for the Holy Spirit, hungry for more of God. It says in verse one, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. I don't have time to unpack that, but that's where the term Pentecostal comes from is because of this experience. One of the three major Jewish holidays where Jews from all over the world, you'll see in, in, if you read the story, came to Jerusalem, celebrated the first fruits of the harvest. And they were all with one accord in one place. By the way, there's something special that can happen when the people of God are hungry for him and they gather in one place. And suddenly, listen to this, verse two, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. That sounds like something we heard about recently, doesn't it? And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of what does it say? As a fire. And one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, was the sound, it was the sound of the, of the wind. It was like a hurricane wind. And it was the sound of them speaking in languages that you, you, you read about right there. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were, were confused because everyone heard him speak in his own language. Verse 11, they said, we hear them speaking in our own languages, the wonderful works of God. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, unpack that a little bit more next weekend. But today I want to share with you why you should be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I want to give you four characteristics of fresh fire from heaven. And number one is the fire of the Holy Spirit ignites the power of God in your life. Ignites the power of God in your life. You shall receive power. That word power is dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite or dynamic. And it means, literally it means energy, might, great force, great ability, strength. It's the same power that filled Jesus. Romans 8, 11, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit, the same Spirit, the same Spirit living within you. It's baseball season, so I want you to imagine for a moment that Mike Trout shows up, knocks on your door, if you're not an Angels fan, you could pick one of your Dodgers. You like Cody Bellinger, Corey Seager, Mookie Betts. I think Mookie, I think Mike Trout's the best baseball player, and Mookie's number two. That's my opinion, and I'll fight you later about it. No, I'm just kidding. But imagine that Mike Trout knocks on your door, and he, he says, hey, you know, I've heard, I've heard great things about you. Heard you're a really great guy. Obviously, you're good looking. And uh, I'm just kidding. Um, and so, you know, I want to I do something for you. I want to I be your friend, but... I also, I also want to give you the same ability that I have in baseball. I want to give you the same, Mike Trout's a five-tool player. Some of you guys know baseball know what that means. I want to give you all five tools that I have in baseball. All of my skills, all of my ability, all of my power. I'm going to take what I have and I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to put it in you so that when you step on a baseball field, you can play baseball the way that I play baseball. Friends, that is exactly what Jesus did through the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm going to take the same power, the same might, the same strength that is in me and I'm going to put it in you so that you can do what I did. Everywhere you go, friends, is somewhere that Jesus wants to be, and the only way that he can get there is through the power of the Holy Spirit in you. So when you go home, Jesus, through the, through the power and presence of his Spirit in you, wants to help, help you love 
your spouse and kids the way that you ought to love them in a supernatural kind of way. I don't know about you, but I need that. When you're walking your dog around your neighborhood and you see your, your neighbor who you notice has lost a whole lot of weight and doesn't look very good and you start to ask him, what's happened? What's, what's going on? And he tells you, I'm fighting cancer. And you just say, hey, can I pray for you? Power of God can flow through you to touch that man, bring encouragement and healing. When you're at work and you're talking to your coworker just on a break or smoke break or something, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I don't know, sorry. Uh, and uh, they start to open up and just share with you what's going on in their life and talk about, man, they're just so depressed and don't see any hope. Something in here, Holy Spirit rises in you, says you just start to speak some words that, that encourage them, bring, bring life to them. Friends, it's your voice. It's your ability, it's your hands, but it's Jesus working through you through his spirit. Number two is this, the fire of the Holy Spirit kindles spiritual gifts and spiritual language. I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach more about this next week, so, um, but, but I do wanna just say this. In, in my opinion, it is extremely significant that when Jesus birthed the church on the day of Pentecost, he gave them spiritual language or speaking with tongues. He could have done anything he wanted to, but yet he chose this supernatural gift to give them. I think from a very practical standpoint, friends, all of us, and the Bible talks about this a whole lot. Pastor Sherry teaches on this brilliantly. The, the power of death and life is in our tongue. Who can control their tongue? All of us say things about ourselves or to other people that are, that are just bad. They're bad, they're evil, they're broken, they're, they're sinful, they're selfish, and they bring destruction and pain. And so this part of our, uh, of our being that we have a difficult time controlling, Jesus says, I wanna touch that. And I wanna give you a language that will give praise to me, that will give honor and worship to me, that will bring power in your life. In fact, what's the value of spiritual language? There's at least three reasons scripture clearly indicates. Number one, to exalt Jesus in heavenly praise and worship and prayer. Number two is to build yourself up spiritually. And number three is to break evil bonds or engage in spiritual warfare. We'll, we'll talk more about that next week, but although tongues are not a qualification for being filled with the Holy Spirit, they certainly are an indication that the baptism with the Holy Spirit has taken place. In other words, spiritual language, friends, is not a requirement, but it's a great privilege and honor, and I wanna encourage you to be open to an ability that transcends your, your own capabilities. Number three, the fire of the Holy Spirit burns in you a supernatural love for people, especially those who don't know Jesus. My grandpa Chuck and my dad were the two men that were my heroes and both of them most loving, credible men that I've ever met. My grandpa Chuck tells a story of when he received the baptism with the Holy Spirit. I actually, to be honest, I don't know if grandpa Chuck ever spoke with tongues or not. I don't remember hearing him. Did he, mom, do you know? But he described it this way. He said, it, it felt like somebody took a pitcher that was filled with love and poured it on my head and just ran down my entire body. My grandpa Chuck was the most loving man 
I've ever met. Charles Finney, last week, I, I talked about this, his encounter with the Holy Spirit. He said, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love. In fact, I would argue that the primary indication that you've been filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit is not spiritual language, but it's supernatural love. Everything that Jesus did, friends, was motivated by love. Jesus was moved with compassion, so he taught them many things. And he fed the 5,000 and did miracle after miracle after miracle. It all came from his love and his heart. In fact, Paul writes in Romans 5, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. 1 Corinthians 13, you ought to read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Add that to your reading challenge. Paul is talking about the Holy Spirit and his operation in the people of God. He's talking about spiritual gifts, and then he, he flows from that right into 1 Corinthians 13. Paul wrote a letter, by the way. He wasn't breaking it down in chapters and verses. This was all part of his context and his train of thought. And he says in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, it doesn't mean anything. When you receive fresh fire from heaven, you receive a fresh love for the world. That's good, and it's true. You receive a fresh love for the world. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. What does a witness do? A witness testifies to what they have seen and heard and experienced. And friends, you and I, this isn't just for Pastor Junior or the super uber Christians. This is for every single Christian. You and I are witnesses to our world, and it is our job to testify to what Jesus, what we've seen Jesus do, what we've heard Jesus speak, and what we've experienced Jesus do in and through our lives. Every single one of us is a witness. And by the way, there is a boldness that is associated with the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Read Acts and see, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Multiple time after time after time, you see that again and again. Does your heart break for those who don't know the Lord or do you just write them off or ignore them, don't even care? Reinhard Bonnke says, I wanna see hell empty and heaven full. Number four, last point is this, the fire of the Holy Spirit purifies your life and consumes you with a passion for Jesus. The fire of the Holy Spirit purifies your life and consumes you with a passion for Jesus. One of the characteristics of fire is that it purifies things, like precious metals. In fact, when you heat gold up hot enough, it liquefies and the impurities rise to the top and then they can skim the impurities out of the gold. Friends, when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, junk that shouldn't be there. The sin and the impurities in your heart begin to rise to the surface so that God can free you from it. As the Holy Spirit works in you, you begin to experience victory over temptation and sin and the devil. Galatians 5, Paul writes, let me emphasize this. As you yield to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. If a if a fire burns an object hot enough and long enough, eventually it will be consumed. If the fire of the Holy Spirit burns in you, friends, hot enough and long enough, eventually you will be consumed as well. You become more and more like Jesus. It's called sanctification or spiritual growth or spiritual maturity. Galatians 5 says, don't walk in the flesh like you used to before you knew the Lord. Instead, walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then you won't fulfill your, 
sinful flesh anymore because you'll develop the fruit of the Spirit in your life, the character of Jesus. What is that? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The baptism with the Holy Spirit gives you the power of God to think, speak, and act like Jesus. So you become, you become more joyful. You become more loving. You become more kind. You become more peaceful. You become more humble. You, be, you have more self-control. That's what happens, friends. The problem is that too often we allow the fire from heaven to die out in our lives. We allow fire from heaven to die out. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, Never restrain or put out the fire of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. I can do this in my own life too, but we compromise and allow sin into our hearts and that grieves the Holy Spirit. Or we get too busy and distracted and we don't even think about the Holy Spirit until a pastor maybe mentions it on a Sunday that we happen to be in church. Or we become prideful and cynical. Our intellect gets in the way. We think we're smarter than all this stuff. We don't need, I don't need any of that Holy Spirit stuff. That's a bunch of blah, blah, blah. Or we allow the voices of culture and politics and those who don't even know the Lord to drown out the voice of the Holy Spirit. Ever heard somebody say before, man, when I first got saved, I was on fire for the Lord. I've heard that more times than I can count. Some of you in here today are watching online, you're thinking that exact same thing about yourself. Man, I used to be on fire for the Lord. That's even the terminology that we use. What is your spiritual temperature right now, friends? Have you grown cold? Or are you on fire? Some of us have never even been on fire before. We don't even know what that looks like or feels like. What consumes your time and money and energy? What consumes your thoughts? What consumes your heart? What consumes your conversations? What consumes your life? Are you consumed with a passion for Jesus? If not, you need fresh fire from heaven. 2 Timothy 1.6 says, That's why I would remind you to stir up rekindle the embers of, fan the flame of, and keep burning the gracious gift of God, the inner fire that is in you. Let me say it like this, friends. God will send the fire, but you need to supply the wood. God will send the fire, but you need to supply the wood. What is the wood? The wood is the word of God. The word is prayer and intercession. The word is praise and, the, the wood is praise and worship. It's using your spiritual gifts. It's using your spiritual language, it's forgiving others that have hurt you. It's loving and reaching out to the lost. It's resisting temptation. It's living holy before the Lord. We don't talk about that in our culture at all anymore. We don't even know what that means. It's turning from sin and walking in obedience. That's the wood that the Holy Spirit uses to bring fire. Come on, friends. The, the wood is just being in church and getting around some other hot people. There's some, there's some hot people in here. Look at the person next to you and say, you look hot to me. Some hot, you gotta get around some hot people. There's some hot people in this place. <laughs> like, it's so, this is just a little side, but I can preach with everything in me and I look at some of you and it's like. Uh, a couple of years ago, <laughs> you guys know what it's like because you're on stage, you're like doing your best, leading people in the presence of God. They're just like, 
What are you going to do? So the word, word of God, the word of God is like a fire though. Jeremiah says, like a fire shut up in my bones. He says, I'm, I'm, de- I'm, I'm weary of holding it in. Jeremiah wanted to walk away from God's calling in his life. He, he honestly did. She said, it's a word of God. It's like a fire in my bones. He said, I can't hold it in. Can't help it. A couple years ago, my wife and I took our kids uh, to Sequoia National Park. I don't know if you've been there. It's, it's amazing. These Sequoia redwood trees in California that are massive. Just literally the biggest trees you'll ever see in your life. Beautiful trees stand hundreds of feet high. And some of them are hundreds of years old. Some of them are thousands of years old. Absolutely incredible. Well, not long ago in, in California, these Sequoia and redwood trees stopped growing and they actually started to become extinct. They started dying. And the reason is that when Lightning would strike, or there was a man-made fire, but when fire would, would come, for whatever the reason, the, the rangers, using all of the modern technology at their disposal, would, as quickly as they could, they would put the fire out. They'd stop the fire. They, they would try to control or manipulate or quench the fire. But what they were doing was actually preventing the next generation of trees from being birthed, because what they finally realized is that fire is actually needed for the growth of these trees. In fact, giant sequoia trees thrive in the world of frequent fires. They are trees of fire, if you will, friends. They were made to withstand fire. In fact, it's the heat from the fire that would cause their massive cones that would fall to the ground. It was the heat from the fire that would cause the the cones of these trees to release their seeds. The the seeds needed the fire to germinate because of the temperature of the fire. Listen to this. The fire would burn the hard outer crustacean layer of the cone, and when the cones would be consumed in the fire, there would be fresh growth and new life. Friends, Some of us have calloused and hardened hearts to the things of God and to the fresh fire of the Holy Spirit. And we need to allow him to consume our lives, to burn off the coldness of our hearts, the callousness of our hearts, the indifference, the spiritual apathy, the ungodliness, the worldliness, the sin that we've allowed into our hearts. We need him to burn that off. Some of us are content with the coldness and we need to acquire the fire. We need to bring fresh growth and breathe new life in us. We need to get on fire again or on fire for the first time. Because if you get on fire, your children will get on fire and your children's children will get on fire and the next generation will get on fire. In fact, when we were, well, I'll say, I'll say that in a minute, but as a church, friends, we need fresh fire from heaven. We need fresh fire from heaven. We're not going to be a cold, callous church. You ever drive by Krispy Kreme donuts and you see that red light? It's like a beacon to your soul. What does it say? Two words. Hot now. And it doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter what appointment you need to get to. It is like a temptation drives you into that drive through And the next thing you know, you've eaten 12 of those things before you even know what has happened. you got to go home and repent later, right? 
We, we need to put that sign on the outside of the Cause Church when we have weekend worship services that says, hot now. Come on, somebody. We need fire in our praise. We need fire in our worship. We need fire in our prayer, in our intercession, in our preaching. Charles Spurgeon said, if there's not fire in your sermon, then just put your sermon in the fire. We need fire in kids' ministry and youth ministry, young adult ministry, men's and women's ministry. We need the fire of God. There was a, there was a sign that we saw that said hot spots. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta stop, we're out of time. If, listen, if you want fresh fire from heaven, stand to your feet right now, put your hands on your heart, I'm gonna pray for you. We're not, we're not gonna sing, we don't have time, but I'm gonna pray. Father, Jesus' name, thank you for your presence, thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we just invite you to come in a new and a fresh way in our hearts. Maybe for the first time, maybe for the 1,000th time, Holy Spirit, come. Come, bring fresh fire right now in Jesus' name. Consume us. Consume our thoughts and our hearts. Burn away the junk and the garbage. Bring healing, Lord, as only you can. Lord, we want fresh fire. We want more love, more passion for you, Jesus, like never before. A release of all the power of God, spiritual language, healing, signs, wonders. God, we want to receive what you received so we can do what you did. In Jesus' name. You can relax for a moment, friends. I'm telling you, next weekend, I, I've, I will preach shorter next weekend, I promise, because there's going to be a time of ministry and prayer. Power of God's going to move so powerfully. Please come back. Believe something supernatural will happen in your life. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.